0: Let us now go to God in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures read and proclaim that we may be filled with the joy of knowing your eternal presence with us, that we may know for certainty that you are with us no matter where our path leads us. Now, Lord God, may your word come through me or in spite of me. Thank you, Lord, for yet one more opportunity for us to try to get it right. Amen. The gospel reading, or the scripture reading, is from Jeremiah's book, the 29th chapter, beginning in the 11th verse. For surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope. Not to state the obvious, but I will. Life can be interesting at times. Life can be a challenge at times. So here is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, speaking to folks who are in the midst of enduring a 70-year exile from Israel. These folks have been away from their, their home country for many, many years. and you can imagine how they must feel. Jeremiah was a prophet amongst them. And so he stands before them and says, "Surely, just to give you a little uh, hint of a Bible speak, when you say the word sh- when you hear the word surely, something's coming. God says, surely." I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm. In other words, God loves us too much to harm us and whatever God does, God is doing for our benefit. God has good stuff for us. Well, sometimes though, we live in our own Babylon's, don't we? Think about it. If you're sick, if you're grieving, if you're caring some, for somebody else, if you're, if you're, if you're homebound, you're, you seem to be sometimes you feel like I'm in exile. I'm away from everything else around us and where is God in those places? We all have those Babylon's where we just can't figure out where life is heading. God is always around. For some reason, though, we just can't see him. All week long, I've been struggling with this text, and Monday, I heard a quote. A quote that I've been grappling with, and I wanted to share it with you from none other than George Orwell. He says, We have sunk to such a depth that which restatement of the obvious... Is the first duty of intelligent men. So let's clean that up a little bit, take some of the sexist language out, and let's replace it with this. Our stuff, our life sometimes has sunk to such a depth at which the restatement of the obvious is the first duty of Christian disciples. Our first duty as Christian disciples is to witness the good news of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because that is obvious to us. When we start our worship this morning with God is good all the time, and all the time God is good that's just not a fun thing to say. It's just not something to get the the juices and the adrenaline going, to, to get into a spirit of worship. But it is incredibly theological because what we are saying is that this God is better than anything else that we can conceive that God is good and God will be with us all the time, you see. So when we start worship, God is good. We are, in fact, affirming an obvious statement of fact. Oh, some see God as a condemning God, a hypocritical God, a judgmental God, a God that we're not sure of. Back in the 1700s, at the beginning of the first great awakening in this country, uh, Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon in the hands of an angry God. It got a lot of people thinking about where God was in their life and got a lot of people thinking about where they need to be as well. But I stand before you this morning and say, I do not believe that we are in the hands of an angry God at all. I believe that we are in the hands of a loving, gracious, forgiving, redeeming God that wants nothing but the best for us, in fact, so much so that he said, I just don't want to give you life, but I want to give you life in abundance. I want you to know all this creation that I have offered to you, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy the the associations that you have in life. I want you to enjoy uh, this, this thing we call faith, this thing we call hope. When I look at the Bible... To me, it's nothing more than a love story that God has written for our benefit, reminding us of the obvious over and over and over and over again, reminding us that we do have a future with hope, no matter how hopeless our time might be here. Because we do live in uncertain times, that is obvious. We do live in tough times, that is obvious. God is saying to us, I will offer you hope. I will offer you something that nothing else and nobody else can ever offer you. Just hang in there with me oh I've been struggling with these words all week because I believe this one simple verse is obvious Now I could come up here and say God is offering us a future with hope go and have lunch sorry I just can't do that so one morning I'm in the midst of early morning walkers and I was out with killer our little puppy And I was walking, and I was asking God. I said, God, because see, I'm praying all the way around. I pray for everybody on the the street and all that kind of thing. But this time I was saying, God, what do you want me to tell the people? What do you want me to say? Because I don't have the words. I can't figure out what you want me to do here. And then I saw Tucker's tail wagging. I heard the birds start to chirp. This is really early in the morning. And then I saw the crisp early morning sky. And I suddenly realized something. I trust God every day to offer that sky. So I said, God, so what you're trying to tell me is This whole text, this whole thing, even faith, is all about trust. And all of a sudden I started singing and God said, quit that singing. And I realized that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to trust Trust that this loving and gracious God, the creator of the universe, will be with us, and that things do not simply happen by happenstance, and our lives are not here by happenstance. Don't know about you, but I don't know what the future holds. I have no clue maybe I don't want to know maybe my head's in the sand I'm not really sure I don't think it's our job to know such things but I do know this I know that this God that we call good this God that we call gracious this God that we call merciful is telling each of us don't give up on me I'm here for you. It's all right. You might think you have to endure a lot and you do unfortunately in this life sometimes. But I am here. Don't give up on me. Hang in there. You can just hear God doing that like a coach. Hang, hey, hang in. Cuz I love you too much for you to fail. I love you too much. For you to go in any other direction. I love you too much. They have you stop shorts. Because God's saying, man, I have plans for you. Oh, it's not that necessarily your, your life is all mapped out and this God is going down in front and said, you're going to be here, you're going to be here. The plan is, at least from this humble preacher's standpoint, is the plan is that wherever our life takes us, Either on that main road or sometimes when we take a detour, the plan is that God is going to be there. God's going to get us through. God is going to take the hopeless and make it hopeful. God says, I know the Babylon that you are in, but know that it will not last. And I have great plans for you, say God. So God is restating this obvious. I just love that. God says, Do not fear, by the way, exactly 365 times in the Bible. 365 times exactly God says do not fear my favorite chapter in the Old Testament is Isaiah 43 God says do not fear I have redeemed you and I have called you by name incredible God cares so much about you and me has called each of us individually by name knows us intimately Do not fear. I know the water is going to rise. I know all that stuff. But I have called you by name. That chapter goes on. And says, You are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. That is the God that is calling us to trust. Trust in the midst of the garbage I was going to say crap but I probably can't say that from the pulpit but all the stuff God promises to be here God promises to be here even to the end of the age and brothers and sisters that's a long time because God has plans to be with us to the end of the age that is the hope so what's the proof the proof is the empty cross the proof is that God loved us so much that he hung his son up on the cross to die so we can live amazing thing I mean, that's incredible you know, when Jesus was crucified, there were a lot of people who were pretty bummed out. They said, This is the end. This is it. Life is gone as we know it. They kind of got in that mini exile, that three days, but man, then when Jesus rose from the dead and said, Hey, look, folks, I'm here. And I'm going to be here to the end of the age, and I'm going to be here just because of you. That's the proof. And Christ died not just for a chosen frozen, but died for everybody. Everybody. Can you imagine that? Jesus died for everybody, even people we might not like. Amazing the song. Oh, there's that quote, and I don't know why this came up. Sometimes God is, is kind of hitting me in different directions. You know that we know that we have created God and. Our image when God hates the same people we do. I thought that was always pretty good. But anyhow, I don't want to di- diverge because we're, we're nearing that time when we got to put God in the box at the end. But. You see, Christ died, Christ was resurrected death does not have the last word our exile does not have the last word God has the last word and God is saying I'm going to give you hope I'm going to give you peace I'm going to give you eternal life all you got to do is turn back to me and you will see what I mean you will see what life is living in abundance and all you got to do is trust and sometimes, all the time, our task as Christians is to share that trust when others' trust may be compromised. Oh, I've been on many journeys with folks throughout this week. And I will say that there are no coincidences in life. There is nothing that happens that God doesn't make Good. Had an appointment canceled Monday morning, ten o'clock. And when I said, "Well, okay, we'll make that appointment again," you know how that goes. That's all right. So I said, "I'll just have more time to be in the office, which is good. I have to do that." I told Amy, "I said you have to lock the door and keep me in there so I can get all this stuff done, and you know, before before it's too late." But then what happened was I get a call in the morning, Monday morning and I was with a family till noon. Well guess what? God knew I needed to spend that time with that family and said "This, this appointment at 10.30 can wait but they can't. You tell me that was coincidence. That is not coincidence. That is God. There are no coincidences in this life. God puts people in places that God wants them to be. All we have to do Is be able to see that happening in our lives. That's an amazing thing. God's not going to let us go. We might think that God's let us go, but God never will. That's obvious. And throughout the Bible, it's obvious too. And all it has to do with trust. Noah trusted. Moses trusted. David trusted. Jonah trusted eventually. Paul trusted they all trust it and see what happens it's all about trusting this this gracious and loving God that we serve even and especially in times of greatest challenge there is a future worth hope because God won't disappoint and God is saying don't give up on me because I'll never give up on you So maybe God would also say instead of I'm going to give you a future with hope I'll give you a present with hope too because I'm going to give you my son. And that's exactly what God did. Don't give up. Because when all seems lost that is where you will be found. I think about the hymns. And a lot of hymns in our hymnal were written by people that found Christ in the worst of times. John Newton, with amazing grace. He was taking a shipload of slaves across to the Americas, and all of a sudden Christ said, no more, John. No more, John. The very first hymn in a Methodist hymnal, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, number 57, was written by Charles Wesley on the year anniversary of his conversion experience because God touched touched him so hard. I want to leave you with this, and we've talked about this one a lot, but I can't get the man out of my mind Last night, Chuck said he went to school with him. I don't think he did. But Horatio Stafford was an incredible guy. Horatio Stafford was a real estate magnate, made a fortune in the city of Chicago building houses and homes and buildings. Built, essentially built the city of Chicago. Amazing guy. And he wanted to share his fortunes and celebrate his fortunes with his family. And so they decided to take a trip to England. But he had one more contact, and so Horatio Spafford said, "Well, you guys go on ahead. I have this one more piece of business that I have to deal with, and then I'll meet you in England. I'm not sure where they're going—probably London." Well, his family ships off. He gets word a little bit later that said the ship that his entire family was on sunk and all perished. And then when everything seemed to be lost for Horatio Stafford he got on a ship and he went to the, about the same location that ship went down with his family. And he was crying, weeping like a baby. And God touched him and said, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your exile, in the midst of your Babylon, I am with you. I'm going to be with you through this Horatio Stafford. And as he was sitting on that boat, as Christ was touching him and carrying him up, he started writing this
1: hymn that we all know. When peace like a river attendeth my way and sorrow's like deep billows roll soul it is well it is well with my soul you know God
0: touched Horatio Stafford and Horatio Stafford gave us a gift of that eternal presence that God offered to him and want to make sure we all knew that. See, that's how it works. The witness of the faithful affirm the trust that we give to, that God wants so desperately for us to have. Keep hope alive. Keep it going in your soul that God has offered you a future with hope no matter where your, your lot might be whether the sea billows rise or not, that God will be with you and will sustain you. Keep that going in your soul, whether you're going back to school or going back to teaching and going back to work or going back to play or struggling with whatever struggles you have, know that the Lord your God is with you now and always. And God won't disappoint you because the love of God has been poured into you by the Holy Spirit the very Spirit of God. Let the people of God say, Amen.